Welcome to How to Be a Human Being in the World, the podcast that showcases the strength, resilience, and humanity in all of us and provides a space where you can embrace the messy parts of life. We've all got them and unapologetically be more of who you really are. I'm your host, Dr. Kathleen Young. I'm a psychiatrist, certified life coach, and I'm also a human, just like you. Pull up a seat as we bear witness to the healing, connection, and inspiration that comes from the stories of our lives. Welcome back to How to Be a Human Being in the World. In this episode, I want to talk about the stories we tell ourselves about other people in our lives, about our lives, um, about what you know we're experiencing in the world, and the impact it can have primarily on our relationships with other people. So what do I mean by stories and why is this topic important? Whenever we interact with people, whether it's our friends, our significant others, our family members, our coworkers, we are always interpreting their behavior through our own lens, through the lens of our lives and our life experiences. And because we're doing that, we often make assumptions about people, what their behavior means, what they might be thinking based on what it would mean to us, based on why we would do what they're doing. And sometimes that provides us with useful information about what's going on for them, but there are often times that it actually doesn't because other people are not you. They haven't lived the same life you've lived and they're not interfacing with the world in the exact same way. They don't have the same strengths and weaknesses. This is like particularly true for me. Like I right now I'm really struggling with like being overwhelmed by my email and scheduling and all of these things. And so when I think about this, my weakness is not being able to manage these things. And so, you know, when I don't return somebody's call or email or don't, I'm not good about scheduling, that's really more about my weakness and not has nothing to do with the relationship. But I'm, I understand that it could be interpreted that way by the person on the other end. So I use that as an example, but we don't have the same strengths and weaknesses, or we just don't even think about things in the same way. And you'd be surprised how much that's true when you really talk to people. Like sometimes you're in sync and you think about things exactly the same way as your friends, and sometimes you don't because they are not you. And that's not to say that making interpretations aren't useful or necessary, we have to do that in order to, to be in the world, you know, so sometimes they're very useful and sometimes your interpretation may even be correct. But no matter what, you're always telling yourself a version of someone else's story that makes sense to you. And so in this episode, I want to focus primarily on the times when you're telling yourself a version of a story that isn't serving you well, that's creating negativity in your life. And I decided to do an episode on this topic because it's so central. I hear this all the time in my work with patients and clients, and it's so central to why people don't have the things that they want in their lives or why they're experiencing unnecessary suffering in their relationships, whether that be anxiety, anger, frustration, or resentment, or some other negative emotion. And because, you know, fundamentally, we are always telling ourselves stories all day long in the form of thoughts that we have about our lives. We have thoughts about something that's happening, and it's really just a story that we're creating about 
you know, what's going on and how we're interpreting it. We don't just tell ourselves stories about other people and why they do what they do. We tell ourselves stories about ourselves, about our own lives, you know, that we should be living life in a certain way. In the last episode I did with my friend Brigitte, we did an episode on the soft life. We discussed the stories we tell ourselves about rest and productivity and being selfish and angry. So we talked about the stories that we have about ourselves and the expectations we have for ourselves. And I just want to point out that none of the stories, none of these types of stories or rules that we have for how we show up in our lives are mandatory. So you don't have to be productive all the time. You don't have to deal with your anger. You don't have to do any of these things. And that's why I'm calling them stories. We also tell ourselves stories in the form of trying to predict the future. And this is particularly true for people who have anxiety. You know, we try and predict, and I say we, I include myself in this <laughs> because I lean towards the anxious side of life. So we try and predict an outcome and in doing so create a lot of anxiety for ourselves, a lot more anxiety. You know, one of my friends was recently, I was thinking about this because one of my friends was recently offered a promotion at work and, you know, she told me that she freaked out when, when her boss came to her and to talk about it and she wasn't going to take it because she was telling herself that it wasn't going to work out, that she was underqualified, that she couldn't handle it, she wouldn't do a good job, which is all just a story, by the way. I mean, you, this is kind of a dramatic example to make a point about this, but it was just a story because she really had no idea whether or not she could handle it because she had never done it. And her boss had offered this to her, this promotion, because he thought she could handle it, which makes me think that it's probably the opposite, that she can handle it. But she was telling herself that she couldn't. She ended up accepting the promotion, but not without a lot of drama in her mind. And that's what I'm trying to demonstrate here is we create a lot of unnecessary drama in our heads when we tell ourselves stories about our lives. And she was eventually able to coach herself through it in this way by reminding herself of all of these things that I talk to her about all the time. It's so funny because she's a friend of mine. I don't coach her. But because I'm a coach, I think she's picked up on some of these things that I talk about in coaching. And she, she, she tell, told me this story to just thank me and let me know that like what I talk to her about is useful. But we do this all the time as people. We try to anticipate or predict an outcome when in reality, you have no idea how it will turn out. And most of the time, life doesn't turn out the way you anticipate it will because humans aren't actually that good at predicting the future, at least not consistently. So we waste a lot of energy on a scenario that's not necessarily that likely to happen by worrying about it ahead of time. We do this for a good reason. We do this because our brain craves our brains cra crave certainty. You know, as human beings, we want certainty. And when we try to anticipate an outcome, it feels like we are somehow creating a certainty about the future, a certain negative outcome. And then you can prepare for that negative outcome. But the irony is that most of the time, people are just worrying. They're not actually preparing for this outcome. So it's a lot of wasted anxiety and negative energy. And once you become aware of this, that you're doing this and understand the ways in which your brain is just making up a story about a negative outcome, it can be really liberating to see it and understand that you really can just decide 
to focus on a positive outcome instead and save yourself a lot of angst. And I tell people, you know, if you can't just focus on a positive outcome, try to focus on both because most of the time the positive outcome is actually more likely. And so when you can focus on both the positive ways it could uh, turn out and the negative ways, at least you're not spending as much time in the negativity. But I digress. I didn't intend to make this episode about anxiety or predicting the future. These are just examples of common storytelling to get you thinking about it and how much it may be a part of your own thinking. So I instead want to get back to what I talked about at the beginning of the episode and focus on how we tell stories in our relationships with people and the impact these stories have on the quality and experience of our interactions with the other people in our lives. So we tell a lot of stories about how people show up in our relationships. You know, this can be more of a list of rules we have for how people should interact and behave. They should do this. They should, you know, reach out to me and see how I'm doing after I have surgery. And maybe that's something you really want in your relationships. And maybe that's something you really want them to do. But really, should they do that? That's more of your expectation. It doesn't mean that they should. It's something that you want. And really understanding the difference between, you know, it being automatic that people just do that versus that's what you want them to do. And a lot of people do do stuff like that. Okay. But a lot of times people actually have no idea what you expect from them because you haven't told them and you just assume that they know what you want when they don't. And then we tell stories about why they're not doing it. So really just think about that. I I have a one friend who's always like, yeah, well, that's just, they should just know. (laughs) And it's like, well, they should, and maybe they should, I don't know, but they don't. So maybe you should tell them. Because otherwise, you're just frustrated that they don't just know. We also tell stories. So we tell stories about how people should show up in our lives, including ourselves. (laughs) And we tell stories about the way they actually show up. We create meaning out of other people's actions. And sometimes this is helpful and it gives us a guide for how we interact with them. It gives us a guide for our lives. And sometimes it isn't helpful, and it actually just creates distance and negativity and really prevents us from having the enjoyment and connection that we want with other people. So the other day, I always find that I tell you guys a lot of examples from my own life because I feel like it could be a little bit more relatable to hear how this is playing out in real time versus you know the theoretical components of it. So the other day, I was stuck in angst about a romantic relationship and feeling disappointed that this other person wasn't showing up how I wanted him to, which by the way is my story, I might add. But it's it's a story that I kind of want to have for now. And you can hold on to your stories, even if they're your stories. And I was talking to a good friend of mine about it. And as friends do, she was trying to be helpful. So <laughs> she started sending me links to some guy on Instagram or Facebook. I don't know who like posts a lot of videos about men and their behavior and how you should interpret it. You know, like if a guy really cares about you or really wants you, he'll do this and not do that. And while I don't necessarily disagree with anything he was saying as, as a principle, I did note that everything he was saying was a generalization about men you know, rooted in truth in a lot of ways, but it was also his story about why men do what they do. And many men may function like he was describing, but certainly 
um, not every single one, and not in exactly the way he was describing. And I can't, I'm not a man, so I can't speak for how men might feel about these kinds of things, but I get really annoyed when, you know, people make generalizations about women. I think they are rooted in some truths and there are some ways in which they're true, but they don't apply to every single situation. And sometimes, you know, it can be a slippery slope making these kinds of generalizations about other people. And, you know, I want to add, because I'm a psychiatrist and a life coach, that there are many nuances to human behavior. And, you know, making a generalization like that doesn't account for the perspective and life experience of the, you know, the actual person on the other end. And most importantly, it just wasn't useful for me at that moment to be thinking about it in the way that this guy on Instagram was thinking about it. Because thinking about what was happening in my relationship in that way was only making me feel worse, making me feel angry, making me feel disconnected, and it wasn't helping me figure out how I was going to move forward. So I decided that I wasn't going to follow this person and I wasn't going to apply his story to my situation because, it, again, it wasn't helping me figure out what to do and it was just making me feel more disconnected. So I use this example because we do this all the time, not just in our romantic relationships, we do it with everyone in a variety of ways. And when I was typing out what I was going to say here, you know, I came up with a few more examples that have been true for me that you might relate to. You know, we often have stories about what it means when someone doesn't return your call or your email. <laughs> it's easy to make it that mean that a person doesn't care about you or they don't care about the relationship or they're self-centered or they're not they're not interested in spending time together, but it may not mean that at all. <laughs> I say this from experience. I have, you know, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I have taken up to six months sometimes to get back to people, which is terrible. I understand that and I know that, but it has nothing to do with the other person or how I feel about them or the relationship. I just really hate scheduling. And if I have to go back and forth with someone more than like one time to pick a time to get together, I just give up because I really hate to do it. And I hate checking my email. My email box has gotten totally out of control and I definitely never check voicemail. <laughs> So this is really about me and my executive functioning. It really has nothing to do with the relationship or the other person or how important they are to me. And sometimes I just forget. <laughs> I mean, that's where I am right now, you know, as an almost 50-year-old person. Sometimes I just forget. And then I feel bad about it and I don't want to reach out because I forgot and it's been months and all of this other stuff. And I sit in like a shame spiral about it. And it takes me even longer to follow through and to follow up with someone. So this has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with me, but I could see how someone else might interpret it as me, um, like make meaning about our relationship when I'm not as responsive. Um, another example of this was like for the last few years, I had been convinced that a, a college friend of mine was no longer interested in maintaining our friendship because she really calls me. She doesn't really make plans to see me. I didn't really feel like she was trying to stay in touch. And I wasn't mad about it, you know, but I did feel kind of sad about it because we used to be really close. You know, I wasn't mad because I figured that we had just grown apart. You know, sometimes relationships just drift apart and it is hard to stay 
in close contact with every single person that has been important in your life. And so I just figured we'd grown apart, you know, and like some relationships, ours had just faded into the background. And that may have been true at that time. But I eventually realized how much this was just my story about her behavior when she started, like almost out of the blue, you know, we ran into each other somewhere. She started scheduling times to connect by phone and making an extra effort to make plans with me. Um, while she was visiting New York City, she came to New York a few weeks ago, you know, for an event. And, you know, she reached out to me and said, you know, I really want to see you while I'm here. And so we had brunch um, while she was in town a few weeks ago. And during that brunch, she said specifically, you know, hey, it was really important to me to spend time with you one-on-one while I'm here. And so when I was thinking about this episode and I was thinking about that specifically, you know, that is her behavior is actually the opposite of our friendship not being important. And it's and she wasn't feeling like she wasn't interested in a friendship at all. But I never knew that because I didn't actually talk to her about it. I just created a story in my my head and believed that story, the story that I had come up with. And, you know, it it really led to me feeling more disconnected and distant from her. And I could have just called her, you know, look, I don't have time to do that with every single person, but I could have just called her and asked her like, hey, what's going on? I'll give one more example from my own life. And I gave this example on another episode, but in case you haven't heard it, you know, I used to believe for a really, for several years that my brother didn't care about me. And that might be a little bit overstated. I've always believed that he cares about me, but that like I wasn't important to him and that he wasn't putting enough, you know, that other people were, other things were more important and that he wasn't putting enough effort into our relationship because he wasn't visiting me um, or because we were, we would always have holidays at his house or he wasn't making arrangements to pick me up at the airport. And I had all of these stories about what that meant But like over time, and we didn't actually ever have a conversation about this. I just was able to see it more clearly over time when I was willing to let go of the story. And that wasn't like none of these stories were true at all. You know, he has a bigger house (laughs) and, you know, he has in-laws and another family to accommodate it at holidays. And so he has a bigger house and he can accommodate more people. And and he travels a lot for work. So over the holidays, he doesn't necessarily also want to be traveling. You know, all of these reasons that have nothing to do with me. um, But instead of talking to him about it or asking him about it, I made certain assumptions and created a story about it that felt really bad. You know, and the more I thought about this, I've said this before, there are many people I will never visit (laughs) in my life. But it's not because I don't care about them or they're not important to me. I just, you know, can't visit everybody. I also live in a certain place and I have a life here and I ha- I can't be gone every single weekend. But for some reason at that point in my life, I was making my brother's behavior mean that he doesn't care about me, which made me feel terrible. So think about it. These are just examples of the ways in which sometimes we create stories about people that really don't serve us and they really create the opposite experience in the relationship that we want to have, you know, opposite of what we actually want to have. And those are just examples in my own life, but other examples that I really want to mention because I think it's important. You know, this one thing I want to talk about that I think is important for those of you who are married or partnered or whatever. (laughs) There's sometimes a story you create in your mind when your spouse or partner doesn't do something 
like surprise you with exactly what you wanted for your birthday or wash the dishes or make dinner when you were running late from work. And we often rush to make that mean that he or she doesn't care or is lazy or doesn't want to pull their weight or whatever it is. But it could mean so many things. And when you don't ask what, why they're doing it or allow your needs, you know, and just accuse them or allow your needs and desires to be known, you're destined for disappointment and resentment because you will stay stuck in your story. So why do we do this? <laughs> why do we create stories? Especially when it can create so much anxiety and negative emotions and suffering. Why do we do it? And like I said at the beginning, our brains crave certainty. We want to know for sure why something is happening so we convince ourselves that we know when often we don't know, or at least we don't know for sure, or we don't know the full story. And one obvious reason this happens is because we're using our frame of reference. That's the only frame of reference we have. So I don't want to pathologize it and make it seem like if you're filtering information through your lens that that's a problem. It's not a problem. That's what we do. It's the only lens we have. But I'm encouraging you to start to, start to question that lens, right? That's our life. It's our, you know, that filtering information is valuable because again, like otherwise you'd just be sitting around questioning everything all the time and you'd never do anything. And I also don't want to minimize how useful your intuition and experience in life actually is. But when it comes to negative stories that you're telling about people and when it comes to you feeling upset that you're not having the connection and the experience and the relationship that you want, I believe very strongly that it's better to get the information before creating the story because we are often wrong about what actually is happening and it ends up negatively impacting our relationships. Our brains want to protect us from harm. So it's common for your brain to create a, you know, worst case scenarios and negative stories as a protection from harm. It's protecting you from vulnerability, from hurt, and other negative emotions. So it comes up with these stories as protection, even though ultimately it's not protecting you, right? It's more of a false sense of protection because you actually still feel bad. It's like creating bad feelings in advance so that you're not as disappointed down the road. I think in some ways that disappointment ahead of time feels more manageable, but it actually just feels bad, <laughs> And what we're not doing when we are doing this is finding out the truth, is getting the actual information that we need in order to make an assessment about the situation. We're not having honest conversations with people, which is really what we need to be doing more of instead of making assumptions. So why aren't we talking to people? <laughs> I was listening to a really great, fabulous, I mean, a really great and short podcast episode done by a woman named Chris Plackey. Um, she's a leadership coach. And the, the episode was on the importance of honest conversations with people. It was really focused on sort of our interpersonal relationships, not so much about leadership and business. So, you know, if you have a moment, I would suggest you go look for it. It's Chris, K-R-I-S, and her last name is Plackey, P-L-A-C-H-Y. And in this episode, she pointed out that we aren't having honest conversations for a few reasons. You know, the first is the fear of being abandoned or being left. You know, if we tell the truth about something that other people won't want to stick around. I don't think that's exactly what I'm talking about here, but I'm just giving the reasons we aren't having conversations. 
that will be told something that we don't want to hear, right? That your friend actually doesn't want to have the friendship anymore. And that's why they're not emailing you back. Or, you know, that we'll have this conversation and, and hear that what we think or feel is wrong. You know, we don't want to be wrong. Think about how badly people want to be right. <laughs> I, I experienced that. I want to be right all the time too, you know, or that, that, you know, if we tell the truth to someone, they'll misuse that, that vulnerability that they'll use to hurt you. You know, we're afraid of that vulnerability. But we're doing ourselves a disservice by not talking to people about what's going on because we're not telling the truth, but we're also creating stories about people because we're not hearing their truth. Often, again, because we're afraid. But if you think about it from the perspective of stories, you may be wrong about your story and the truth might actually feel so much better than you anticipate. And the truth might be so much easier to swallow than the story that you've actually created that feels terrible. So if you're sitting with a negative story about someone you love and you want to feel closer to them, I want to encourage you to find out the truth. Like what is actually going on? To just ask them. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but it's true. And it's something we don't do to just ask them. That way, if there's something negative that they are thinking or experiencing about you, you can work to resolve it. And if there isn't something negative, if, if it's just that they forgot to call you back, and it doesn't actually mean anything, you can let your story go, repair the relationship, and experience that closeness again and the enjoyment of that person. And as always... <laughs> If you still don't feel comfortable having these conversations, I feel like people really just don't. And I'm like jumping on the table all the time, you know, jumping up and down, trying to force you guys to see why it's great to actually talk to people, even though it feels really vulnerable and hard. But if you still don't feel comfortable having the conversation with the other person, the other thing you can do is just make up a different story. Make up a positive story or at least a neutral one. Or just say, like, I don't know why this person is doing it. And I'm not even going to try and guess. But like something that doesn't keep you stuck in this negative story, right? Because there's always a pretty good chance that the truth is less negative than you're expecting. So why not make up something positive instead? It's all made up anyway. I say that all the time. It's all made up anyway, which is true. We're always just telling stories and interpreting what's happening through our lens. So just remember that. That's all I have for this episode. Until next time. Are you ready to have the life you actually want instead of the life you think you should want? Or maybe you just want to start having more fun. Either way, I can help. Head on over to my website, www.drkathleenyoungcoaching, that's Kathleen with a K, dot com. Or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at drkathleenyoung.coaching. You can sign up for a free consultation on my website and we can talk about the life you want to create and see whether group or one-on-one -on -one life coaching is right for you. Midlife doesn't have to be a crisis. It's never too late to create the rest of your story. Thanks for listening to this episode and see you next time.